Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I mean, this is usually TJ's kind of role, uh, bringing the whole thing in, so I'm going to just try to wing it. I'm here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in the Mile High City, but I am Anilo Pira, one half of the crew that makes up the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, a five-day-a-week podcast right here on the Mile High Sports Network. But uh, to my right, instead of, or I guess TJ's usually on my left, but I'm usually on TJ's right, but now to my right is Brendan Vogt. I got you all mixed up today, man, but I'm excited to hop on the pod, dude. It's been, yeah. uh, you guys have been doing good work, but so I definitely quick, wanted to. I definitely want to just kind of backtrack here before we really do get and talk about the Nuggets. Brendan, just tell people about yourself, how long you've been in the city, what you're looking to do here at Mile High. I know once we added you, man, I was ecstatic to bring you onto the crew because I know how great of work you're going to do for us. Yeah, man, and I have to thank you for that. I mean, you brought me in. You've been kind to me. I'm still new to Denver. I've been in the city for about two months. I'm even newer to the Mile High Sports team, but it's been great, man. I'm just excited to get after it and uh, help you guys revolutionize this Nuggets coverage. Absolutely, man. That's exactly what we're trying to do over here at Mile High Sports. we got a fantastic crew between TJ McBride and myself, who is not in today. Um, I think he's grinding away, man. This guy is never not doing something. Never stops so. working. Never sleeping. I know yeah, that. Absolutely. So TJ's doing his thing this morning, but uh, Brendan filling in alongside with uh, Jeff Morton, King of Thornton, um, Dev Johnson, and Matt Smith, uh, kind of well-rounding things out here at Mile High Sports for our Nuggets coverage, but uh, Brendan was uh, alongside with me today at Nuggets practice. We uh, had an opportunity to talk to uh, four-time All-Star and kind of marquee forward and player for this Denver Nuggets team, Paul Millsap, um, for the first time since he was sidelined, what was it? I think they're officially labeling it as the left, it's like a left... It's his yeah. left ligament issue? Yeah, wrist, a, I know it's no. left, yeah. Yeah, left wrist and ligament, uh, yeah. right, two things. It's always kind of a, an interesting conversation to be had when you talk about injuries with the Denver Nuggets. They always are kind of vague with what the injury actually is. Yeah, it's interesting. They don't really love giving us a lot of information. No, they do, do that. But Millsap did talk to us today, and he told us at least what this injury has been like for him. We know that he lost feeling, right, in that in his in his arm and his fingers almost right away. Yeah, and so we, t- we talked to him today, and he was in good spirits, which is certainly a positive thing to see, absolutely. Uh, he was excited to be back. Um, I, you could see that he's absolutely itching to be back with this team and on the court, but uh, he did say that he's still trying to regain that, you know, range of motion in his fingers, which, I mean, take it how you want. At least when I heard that, I was like, okay, you're a little while removed, and you still can't move your finger. You're still working just to get the basic range of motion back? On one hand, maybe that's a poor choice of words, that is a little <laughs> bit discouraging or worrisome. On the other hand, as Malone pointed out today, it's his non-shooting hand. So, yeah, he's still trying to get that range of motion back, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this road is going to be as long and arduous as that sounds. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. Millsap kind of alluded to it. Uh, you know, he has his own timetable in his head of when he would like to return. He, he kind of smirked when he did say that because um, he's going to let it up to be the... Tra- he's leaving it up to the trainers, obviously, but he feels good. He's in good experience and I think the big thing with him is mentally uh, a guy that this is the first real kind of catastrophic injury that he's had to deal with in his career um, you obviously don't know how he's going to handle and, and receive that kind of news so I, I think he's done a pretty good job at personally you know remaining balanced and trying to stay on an even keel so I think it's definitely a, a good sign for Millsap nonetheless and look injuries are always tough and you don't want any one player to get injured but Millsap is a pro's pro 
right? Veteran incarnate. This is the type of guy who you know is going to approach the, the recovery process the right way. So yes, he has his own timetable. That's optimistic. He wouldn't share it with us, but he's not going to rush it. He's going to treat rehab the right way. And he, he should be ready to go. What did Malone say today? Anilo? He, he said, so, and this is going back to what I was kind of alluding to with the Nuggets being very vague in terms of like the timetable for a return. They, I think the, I think it was Shams Trachina of, I can never say his last name, Shams. I just call him Shams. That, just vertical. stick to Shams. That's all you um, know. That's what I, I call mean, him. Yeah. Um, but I think the initial time, the initial timetable was two to three months, which I mean, obviously pencils them in at the time of about late February, beginning of March. Obviously, that's, I think, after talking to Millsap before we spoke to Malone, um, that was the vibe that was given off of it's going to be, you know, the full kind of timetable for that recovery. Um, Michael Malone kind of finally gave a benchmark, I think, as to when we could expect him as a realistic timetable. Um, Malone said best case scenario that Paul Millsap is going to be back at the All-Star, or after the All-Star break. Um, and, and he attached the words All-Star break and help us with that playoff push in the same sentence. So, obviously, the Nuggets are kind Kind of in the mindset of we are going to have to get to the playoffs, you know, 90% of the way without Paul Millsap, and he'll kind of just be the icing on the cake um, to kind of try to seal the deal for us. Yeah, he seemed to really lack conviction when he gave those optimistic recovery timetables. I don't know how soon after the All-Star break Millsap's going to be back. It's the final playoff push that he sounded confident in. So to your point, the question is, can the Nuggets keep themselves in playoff contention up until that point? You know, and They've looked great of late, and uh, Millsap said the same thing. This does not look like the same team uh, that he that he saw when he was still with the team and, and how they looked immediately following his injury. So confidence is high right now, and, and that seemed to be a big theme in practice today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the confidence was – listen, and – Michael Malone has been under a lot of backlash here recently with the with the organization and with the fan base and just terms of how he's viewed. You know, is he the right guy for this team and whatnot? But you know, Swingman Will Barton had some interesting comments after I believe it. I mean, I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. But after their last victory, um, the come from behind victory over the New Orleans Pelicans, um, you know, kind of saying. Michael Malone's been, you know, the most improved player on this team, even though he's not necessarily a player. You know, he is the coach, but just instilling that confidence into his players and, you know, instilling the trust within them. And I think you've really seen that paint off because, listen, there's undeniably, in my opinion, there's been instances where Malone has been the root of the Nuggets problems, whether it be calling timeouts too profusely, um, you know, his rotations have been under fire and whatnot. And granted, it's a tough job with the rota- or with the roster that they have, but there have certainly been aspects where you kind of see the Immaturity in Michael Malone's coaching. But for, for Barton to point these out as we've seen him grow, I think was a phenomenal thing, Brendan. Right, and that's the type of stuff you don't necessarily see as a fan, right? It's easy to play Captain Hindsight about the rotations and the timeouts, but what about the locker room culture? Listen, this is a team with a lot of talent and a lot of, there's some back, you know, some log jams at multiple positions, right? Really talented guys like Beasley, Fareed, they want to play basketball, but they're not quitting, are they? Absolutely. Everyone on this team has bought in. Everyone seems to be playing hard for Malone and for each other. Look, he was quick to deflect that credit today. He, he was thinks very he, quick. He, he made the point that it's a testament to the players and the type of players that they are, which is true. But look, man, I think this is a credit to Malone. I think this, this is a coaching thing through and through. So when you have a team that's this young, that's probably still a couple years away from truly contending, 
I almost think that that's more important, man, than the sort of day-in, day-out, time-out rotation stuff. And I, I think there's two testaments to Michael Malone that kind of support his cause. One long-term in terms of a player's development, and one in the short-term of a guy that's really emerged recently as an impact player. One, the first guy I'm talking about is Gary Harris, mm. a guy that when he was a rookie played under head coach Brian Shaw. We all know how that kind of went down and whatnot. But uh, listen, there's no other way to slice it. Gary Harris was about in the gutters for a basketball player. It doesn't get a, it doesn't get as much wor- much worse than when Gary Harris was up until when Michael Malone took over. But, I mean, he even said today, look at where Gary Harris is now. He's an $80 million man, uh, a guy that has just signed a lucrative four-year extension with this team and a guy that is blossoming into this, you know, pillar for and, these guys. And Gary Harris, look, credit to him, right? He's made some necessarily adju- some necessary adjustments. This dude works hard. But Malone said it today, you know, he had confidence in Harris, and that goes a long way in this league. All these guys are talented. How much confidence do they have in themselves? How much confidence does their coach, does their organization have in them? That seems to have been the difference in Harris. Absolutely. I mean, listen, TJ and I have raved over and over and over in podcasts about Gary Harris. And I mean, we could definitely do that again if you want to, Brendan. But I I think a lot of people forget just how the reasons why Gary Harris is where he is. Obviously, a large part and a majority of it is on his own shoulders for his work ethic and all that. But uh, again, a large part of it also was Michael Malone giving his players that confidence and, and trusting and believing that Gary Harris could be the player that he is today, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, the confidence that he got from Malone and also from this front office, right? They bought in Absolutely. on Harris from the get-go and it's made all the difference in the world. And, you know, the next guy up when it comes to this dynamic... I wonder about Trey Lyles. This is a guy who has a boatload of talent, right? And and that's actually exactly where I was going to go to next. And when I was kind of alluding to the player in recent time that I think is a product of Malone's system of, you know, Coach Maloney said numerous times, probably four or five times I could think of before Millsap and Yogesh got hurt, of Trey Lyles being good enough to warrant minutes on this team, but just there not being enough minutes, quite frankly, to go around. And that's obviously um, due to the Nuggets' logjam of forwards that they've ignored for the past five years, it seems. So by design, you know, Trey Lyles was not getting uh, minutes uh, just because of the the way the system was kind of set up. Obviously, here in recent time, has stepped up big time for this team um, with an extended minutes and extended looks in, in plays and whatnot. But um, talk about Trey Lyles, man. I want to get your opinion on him. No, I mean, he looks awesome, man. And I talked to him in the preseason, and and I wanted to know how excited he was to join this high-octane, free-flowing Denver offense, right? This ball is hopping all the time. And look, schematically, uh, he pointed out that he felt like he was sort of stuck in a box in Utah and and that playing in Denver was really going to make a difference. But more so than the scheme, man, I think it's his confidence, right? And again, that's the theme of the practice, the theme of this podcast. He's finally got a team that's giving him minutes. And this is a dude who was barely playing a year ago. And in the fourth quarter the other night, every three-pointer he chucked up, I knew it was going in. Absolutely. And there was even um, there was an instance in the end of that game. I believe there was a, there was under a minute left in the game. I believe it was still tied at this point. And um, Jamal Murray kind of, I think it was Jamal Murray, dished it out to Trey Lyles at the top of the key. There were still about 15 seconds left on the shot clock. But a close game, like I said, tie game. And Trey Lyles took the three-point shot. A guy that two weeks ago had absolutely no role with this team other than to soak up minutes in garbage time. And now he has no hesitation, right? It, it's, really. It's not not just about playing well in the fourth quarter when it matters most he wants the ball he wants the shot and hey credit to him because he's ready oh man I mean not only on the end of the bench but also after the start to his career in Utah Absolutely. he's still young but how frustrating was that event yeah I was gonna say he could have easily came into Denver and after he saw the way the situation was could have said here I go again you know th- this is it exactly what I was doing but you know again you cannot tip your cap enough to him um, for staying ready I, I had two pieces go up on him that you guys could check out on my high sports 
ClippersSports.com um, ahead of the year just talking about how he is this kind of ideal fit um, for what the Nuggets are trying to build here. A seamless guy that can stretch the floor and play really sharp defense while also being nice on offense. And look, in the modern NBA, but also particularly on this Nuggets team, you have to be able to shoot the basketball. Absolutely. They love Kenneth Fareed because of the energy that he brings. But in a sense, you have to think Trey Lyles is really a better fit as a backup power forward just from that perspective. He can really stretch. And look, look, it's hard to imagine that this is going to be sustainable, right? Close to yeah. between 20 to 30 points a game and lights out shooting from three. But if he can be competent from beyond the arc, if he keeps playing hard on defense like this, man, this might be the missing piece for the Nuggets going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly going to be um, interesting to see how this all kind of plays out for Trey Lyles. But uh, nonetheless, I think we're seeing here a little bit more in recent time, Coach Malone getting uh, some credit that is deserved considering how much uh, criticism he's taken over the past few months. And he deserves that credit, man. I'll beat that drum all day long. So obviously, you know, Millsap out, Jokic was out for a period of time. How do you think the team just kind of handled that? We obviously have a roundtable from Ally Sports coming out later in the day, kind of going to tease that here a little bit. But uh, what were your just kind of biggest takeaways, you know, from Malone as a coach being able to help weather the storm with their two best players out? Because quite frankly, I mean, you take away the two best players on any team, and I don't know if anyone does as good a job as they did. No, and, and look, you also missed a little bit of time here and there from Chandler and Barton. Yeah. And it's like, look, without these four guys – respect to all the other guys on the roster, how, how good is this Nuggets team supposed to be? Absolutely. So I don't think when you're talking about this stretch you can look at the record. I really think you have to look at how hard guys were playing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the point that Barton was trying to get across about Malone. These guys are not quitting. They are yeah. playing hard. That Boston game, that was a scheduled loss before we knew about the injuries. Mm -hmm. To see them competing all the way through the fourth quarter like that, super, super encouraging. Strangely, man, I feel better about this team than I did before the Jokic injury. No, I really did too, and that's a fantastic point that you kind of bring up is, you know, these guys rising to the occasion. I mean, I'm looking here at the Nuggets' schedule and just looking at team leaders of the games, uh, uh, of, you know, who led the team and what during Jokic and Millsap both being out. I mean, you got Will Barton putting up double... I mean, between Will Barton, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray, like one of those three was in double-digit figures, it seems like, at, at any given point in all of these games, I believe, except one looking off the top of my head. Right, and if there's a silver lining in injuries, it's, okay, other guys have to step up now. Can they, and in what ways? Jamal Murray, obviously the big improvement we've all been needing to see is the spot-up shooting from three. That's, that's the game that he's supposed to bring to the table. He looks confident right now. Again, that's the theme. Confidence makes all the difference in the world. To see him shooting, I think, over 50%, actually up over 60% from spot-up in the last seven games um, beyond the arc is really, really, really encouraging. And then from the Gary Harris side of things, how about the role he's taken on as a facilitator? I know TJ's all over that right now. Man, I cannot. Again, I, the one thing that I've been on with Gary Harris is I can't stress his maturity at the age that he is. He's a 23-year-old guard that plays, and he looks like he's 27 in terms of his composure on the court. Right. But again, I think it's a product of playing next to Nikola Jokic and a product of playing under Michael Malone for all these years. Of You've learned to become a facilitator, and you've learned and you've grown these qualities that you may not necessarily have had because of the way that you've been playing, the way that you've been taught to play in this system. Right, and it's him recognizing what this team needs in the moment, yes. right? This team can survive not having a traditional point guard because of what Jokic, Millsap, Plumley bring to the table. Without those first two guys, who's, who's the point guard on this team? Gary Harris recognized that that's what they need out of him, and he really stepped up, man, running the offense. He's looked awesome out of the pick and roll. He really has. TJ hits this really hard, but that pocket pass he has, that little one-handed bounce pass, really nice. And you, you can see him looking to get uh, Plumley live. 
else involved off the roll, which is important for this yeah, team. Yeah, you see the court vision, which yeah. is something. And one thing that I kind of really allude to with Gary specifically is how cool, calm, and collective he is in transition. Mm. I mean, again, and I hate to beat my, you know, kind of beat the same drum with this, but being 23 and being able to, you know, kind of run the floor and transition and, and score almost effortlessly or score like you're a five, six, seven, you know, year veteran of the league and whatnot is certainly a good thing. So, I mean, all around, I think it's a fantastic thing to see the growth from Gary Harris and a lot of these guys in recent time. Um, with kind of the circumstances. And you just said talking about you know, Harris's game in transition. Uh, here's a transition to a guy I want to talk about, is, which yeah. is Will Barton. Yes. And we've really gotten to see a sense of uh, just how important he is to this team in their absence. He is one of the leading scorers in the league right now in transition, which is important. Um, this is the kind of guy who takes turnovers, takes missed shots from the point guard, mm-hmm. turns them into easy points on the other end. But... This is a team that can't really run its offense the way it was built to right now without these guys. And then that's what Barton is. He's a, regardless of the offensive flow, I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get buckets type of dude. And to have that guy in these moments, you really see how important he is, regardless of how frustrating some of those poor shots may yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, here's the biggest thing with Barton, is he rises to the occasion where it matters most. Yes. We've seen him hit two game winners, or two, I don't know if you want to call them game winners, but shots that really help decide the outcome of the game in recent time. And that's sort of the encouraging and frustrating thing about Barton. We know some people, you know, his shot selection down the stretch against Indiana may have been what did the Nuggets in. And you hear some folks and some fans on Twitter saying he can't be taking those shots and that might be on the coaching staff. Let me say one thing. I don't think you can ever or ever want to coach Will Barton out of being Will Barton. without a doubt. Right, so you just got to let him do do what he does and live with the results, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, a lot of interesting stuff nonetheless, but, I mean, it's certainly a good thing now that Nikola Jokic is – there's no news of whether he will start this game tomorrow night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, I don't even know the date off the top of my head. This is so bad, but um, it's – 17th. There we go, December 17th. Way to go, Brendan. Um, but yeah, so December 17th, Sunday, we're going to be kind of we're recording this after Paul Mills have just spoke for the first time since uh, the injury. So if you're listening to this tomorrow, we're obviously going to give you a Thunder preview. So let's do that right now, Brendan. What are you looking for from this game, the Nuggets um, traveling to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder tomorrow night? Okay, well, first of all, I do think it's safe to assume Jokic will be back. I should clarify that that's speculation. Yeah, that's absolutely. an assumption. And again, this goes hand in hand with the Nuggets not liking to reveal anything. I mean, I, <laughs> this is a prime example. You know, and one thing that kind of just made me laugh when it happened. The, the talk of the town, you know, and amongst the media heading into the season was who the heck is going to be the starting point guard? And I was actually in Utah to cover the opening night game against the Jazz, and when the question was asked, who's going to be your starter? Right. <laughs> like, an hour before the game, Michael Malone says, I don't know. And what is the... <laughs> I was actually on Adam Maris's Locked on Nuggets podcast on opening night. We were watching the uh, Boston and Cavaliers game, and Adam brought up the point. He was like, what is the advantage in holding that information back? That is a great question, and here's the answer. Absolutely not. Yeah, I whatsoever. Agree. It's a tactical thing in Malone's mind, and that's yeah. what it is. Is Malone is just an intricate, intricate coach in terms of he will do anything in his mind that will give him an advantage but, in that game. But this one confuses me because it does. Look, with all the information that's readily available to NBA NBA teams, they have scouting reports on everyone. It's not like, oh wow, the game started. Look who's in. What do we do? I mean, they're they're going to be prepared for any alternative scenario. So you might as well let us know. But Absolutely, that's another discussion for yeah, another day. For I guess. sure. So yeah. the Nuggets are going to travel, like I said, to Oklahoma City to take on the New Look Thunder. And I, I do think Jokic will be playing because mm. that's I do think that's why they held him back in that New Orleans game. And there's two games of rest here. So mm. 
Um, if it he, makes sense. If he does, that could be huge because is it the case that Steven Adams is injured still? He has a concussion, does he Yeah, not? so I guess yeah. we'll have to see. That's, that's another interesting kind of storyline to keep an eye on with this one because if Steven Adams is going to be down within this game with a concussion, automatically advantage Denver, you would have to think, because Adams presents so many problems to this Nuggets team. Absolutely, and I actually think he is as important to the Thunder as anyone, really, especially with the way these big three are struggling. He does all the little things. He's a stud on the glass. He's a stud defensively. If he's not in there and Jokic is, that's a big advantage for Denver. Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, it's weird because these two teams kind of line up completely differently, in my opinion. You're looking at a big three, in essence, or I mean, I guess a big four if you consider Adams part of that bunch. But, you know, a bunch of superstars kind of coming together to form this one uh, unifying force versus the Nuggets, who are a bunch of young and up-and-coming players mixed with seasoned vets that kind of unify as a team. So, right. Nonetheless, expect to be a, a, a fun matchup, nonetheless. And the Thunder are going to play up for a division rival. And, of course, you know, Car- you have to expect that Carmelo Anthony is going <laughs> to take all of these matchups personally. That said, man, I don't know how worried I am about Carmelo. You- uh, real quick, because I know where you're going sure, at. Sure, go for it. Um, OKC is kind of, they're, they're frauds, you know, to a certain extent. And, you know, this is one thing that's always grinded my gears about the NBA is people think just because you have a household name means that you're going to win games. And that has not necessarily been the case, obviously, with Oklahoma City being as bad as they have been um, for a majority of the season. So, I mean, without a doubt, I think Denver has a competitive edge in some aspects, um, obviously, with the Thunder struggling. But uh, you have a good point that you're about to make. Well, typically, you would think with Millsap out, the forwards that the Thunder have are going to give the Nuggets a lot of trouble except to your point man this team they have a big three on paper but they certainly aren't playing like one as a team only 34 players in the league this year are taking 15 or more field goals a game and uh guess who the three lowest in field goal percentage of that group are? tell me Brandon in order Russell Westbrook at 38.4 percent Paul George, second lowest at 40.8%. And the third lowest, do you want to take a guess? Oh, man, Mr. Carmelo Anthony. It's Carmelo Anthony. So, look, as Malone said, at some point you have to think Westbrook is going to get back to being Westbrook. All these guys can light you up on any given night. But I don't know. With the way these guys are playing right now, it's hard to look at this Thunder team and be as afraid of them as you were maybe even in the preseason. No doubt, no doubt. It's going to be an interesting matchup to say the least. Um, obviously, I think it's just a matter of when the Thunder are going to figure this thing out because when they do and if they manage to, because I mean, I think the better question is it, are they going to be able to figure this thing out? Well, the encouraging thing is they are the real deal on defense, yes, right? Yes. And that is important, starts especially for a team that has high playoff hopes. So, and I think you'll see them kind of cut out some of this BS, you know, when the games really become important and meaningful, and you're talking about playoff seeding and all that stuff. And we've already seen some improvement in their clutch time numbers. In yes. the beginning, it was horrific, yeah. like especially with to all be these... expected though. That's the thing is like everyone wants to like they jump on these notions like everything needs to be perfect all at once immediately, like take into account human error people and when you throw together a lot of stars there's always an adjustment period but especially when two of these guys are Westbrook and Anthony right? these are guys that as talented as they are they don't spread the wealth that's really not how you'd ever describe their game so I do think they will figure it out but I also thought it was always going to be an uphill climb absolutely uh, yeah gonna be a great battle nonetheless for the Denver Nuggets tomorrow night Monday December 18th taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder tip-off scheduled for 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time right out here in the Mile High City, but I'm sitting alongside Brendan Vogt in the latest edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I'm kind of recapping real quick on Millsap. So he's going to be back, uh, or he's not going to be back, my bad, but uh, we spoke to him for the first time um, since he did injure that left wrist 
seem to be in good spirits. Obviously, late February, early March, mid-March kind of seems to be the realistic expectation for a return with head coach Michael Malone giving him after the All-Star break kind of as his timetable. Um, let's start recap on Malone. Your thoughts, of him as a, your thoughts of him as a head coach. Yeah, and Malone, I think you have to sort of slow your roll here in terms of is this the coach that's going to get this team over the hump and get them into real championship contention because that's not the right question to be asking yet. The question is, do you have a coach that can keep a young team together and playing for each other? Will Barton seems to Mm -hmm. think that's the case. I do too, man. Absolutely. So it it kind of comes back to, you know, the Nuggets being this team on two opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, of having these seasoned veterans, you know, now adding a guy like a Paul Millsap, which was obviously a win-now move for a team that, quite frankly, is not ready to win now because their best players are still two or three years away from being in win now mode so i mean look this is it's it's a game of checks and balances with this team um they they've done a pretty solid job in my opinion so far of kind of weathering this storm i agree and look as far as mixing and matching there is some middle ground right obviously as long as the rockets and the warriors look like this and the nuggets average age of their core is so young it's a two to three year project Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't want to get into the playoffs right this drought has been probably nagging at them and adding a guy like Millsap on a short-term contract with team control on the third year is sort of the perfect middle ground between improve now without sacrificing the future. Absolutely. So a lot of a lot to be discussed or a lot discussed in the latest edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Obviously with Millsap and Coach Malone being the two biggest highlights from this one and a little bit of a preview for the Nuggets matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder tomorrow night. Brendan, anything else? No, man, just thanks for having me, dude. No, this man, was a lot I'm, of fun, Exactly, buddy. dude. I'm super happy that we were able to finally get you on one of these things. Um, I know I've got some cool stuff kind of in the works from Mile High Sports coming up. TJ is I, – I, TJ just is out there, man. He's just – grinding, grinding, grinding. So I know he's got this thing on lockdown. What do you got working on? I'm working on a Moutier piece right now, man. We all know he's sort of been a big part of the problem. I wanted to figure out why. What's the difference between good Moutier, who we rarely see, and bad Moutier, who shows up far too often. So I think I did find it, and I'm going to have that piece coming out sometime next week. Absolutely. So we got our, like I said earlier in the podcast, we're going to have our roundtable, which are going to be coming out on Sunday afternoon slash mornings, just depending on if they have practice like they did today. Um, But it's going to consist of answers from me, Dev Johnson, Brendan uh, Vote himself, TJ McBride himself as well, and Ronnie K, my my, uh, my partner in crime for the radio show that has no name yet. Um, every single Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on Mile High Sports Radio, AM 1340, FM 104.7, or online at milehighsports.com. But again, be uh, be sure to keep an eye out for all of our content on milehighsports.com. We're doing a really good job of trying to revolutionize Nuggets coverage this year. You know, we're not just trying to have game recaps and previews and, and you know, features. We're trying to go above and beyond, you know, and that goes with Ryan Green, you know, doing his walk around the Pepsi Center videos and me doing my periscopes after games and us doing these podcasts, Brendan. So uh, again, please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe on all things Mile High Sports for the Nuggets. Uh, Any last thoughts, Brendan? Hey, just to the fans, if there's anything you want to see out of this Mile High Sports coverage, this is malleable. So let us know, man, and we'll make it happen. Absolutely. You guys can email me at anilovpiro at gmail.com if you guys want to advertise with this podcast. Uh, I know a lot of you guys within the Nuggets community have been, uh, you know, really good about being hands-on and commenting and giving us feedback. So if you want to take that a step further and be a part of the show, be sure to email me at anilovpiro at gmail.com and we can be sure to get you worked out in that front. But uh, for Brendan Vote, I am Anilo Piro representing Mile High Sports and covering the Denver Nuggets. Again, Nuggets take on the Oklahoma City Thunder tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll talk to you guys then.
Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and the time has come for you and your friends to have some fun. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, basketball, college, and all your favorite sports events. You can take a side, total, or try their in-game live action. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and use promo code CHAMPION to be entered into our amazing prize pool. That's MyBookie.net promo code CHAMPION. Get in on the action today. No deposit is necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.